Welcome back. It's that time of the week again. It's time for Range Anxiety, the automotive podcast that brings 30 years of experience into 30 minutes for your listening pleasure. Now, today, doing something a little bit different, I'm actually recording the podcast on my way home. The good news is I'm doing it on the inside of uh, my Tesla Model 3 SR Plus. It's pretty quiet in here, but you will hear the odd bit of traffic noise, and I'm figuring, you know, if they can do it on carpool karaoke, why can't they, why can't I do it just driving along? You know, I'm not touching anything, I'm not taking my eyes off the road, and I'm not looking at the screen, and I'm actually disconnected from the internet so that you don't hear any horrible clicking and interference and terrible things like that. So that's great. Hopefully the Model 3 does a very good job for us. Now today some feedback it's all been pretty good really um people really like it when i have guests now i'd like to have guests all the time but i can't because a not that many people want to talk to me because i'm not that likable and b not everybody's got anything really interesting to say the whole time so yeah actually there goes a very loud supra past me i hope you couldn't hear that and the mic is wobbling around a bit so i'll be interesting uh, i'll be interested to see how well it noise cancels but anyway, this is just a test. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We're now um, got listeners in the thousands. I think I've told you that before, which is really, really great. And I'm really quite happy with that. Um, we're getting some really, really, really solid feedback. So on to one of the most uh, awaited episodes, Tuna Wars 3. And it's going to probably uh, more than likely cover off where we're at with the LS1 scene to this point in time because as far as I'm concerned after about 2008 which is after the advent of the V8 there wasn't a lot new that that came out um, in Commodore land there, there was the VF which was you know no doubt the best hold never made and obviously the factory supercharged cars with the LSA uh, which were also great great things and there were some good packages for those, but a lot of the bigger players that I knew kind of moved on and moved away. So the LS1 Drag Nationals in 2008 was to me the pinnacle of what you could do with these cars. So let's get onto it. By this stage, I think we ran in total three LS1 Drag Nationals at Heathcote Motorsport Park. Um, and this was the last year we stayed at the Crystal Inn at Bendigo, which was, a, like I said before, it's a great little hotel, motel, beautifully set up, nice swimming pool, and every rat bag from around the country, from Western Australia, through to Queensland, through to South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria, and even one or two from Tasmania, came there and stayed. And normally, I feel very sorry for the owners, we got up to no good. Like, we weren't absolute animals or anything, but... You know, there were many drinks had, there were many loud noises, and I think at the last uh, LS1 Drag Nationals in 2008, there was a married couple that was staying there on their honeymoon, uh, and yeah, that wouldn't have probably been the best thing for them. Now, aside from the racing, we'll get to that later, one of my most um, uh, memorable experiences from this meeting came in the form of a standard Holden uh, Adventure Cross 8. So it was an LS1 four-wheel drive wagon, uh, the LX8. 
and uh, sorry, Cross 8, LX8, and it was being driven by one of the New South Wales rat bags, and we all decided to go into Bendigo. There was no alcohol being consumed at this stage. I don't think he even drank, which was probably a good thing, because he was stupid enough sober. Um, and so we all piled into this wagon. I think there were, oh, I shouldn't really be saying this on, on pod, but there were five of us in the car and maybe two in the back, and we're driving along uh, on the country roads, and it was starting to get dark at this time of the evening and all of a sudden we were doing uh, you know 60 mile an hour 110 on the limit or 100 in Victoria and all of a sudden the thing just went sideways hit the limiter and kind of was slewing all over the road and I'm like whoa what's going on what's just broken here no no the rat bag driving uh, no one with his internet handle of Justice R8. He was giving this thing some justice, was deciding to hold it full throttle and just punch it into reverse while it was driving along down the road at that speed. Uh, sensible, no. Safe, no. Would I ever recommend you do it? No. And I think the LX8 was on our side here because after about ooh, two or three shots at this um yeah it lost all drive so rolling 5k's outside of bendigo the racv which is like the roadside assist people were called and came out to pick up this adventurer with no drive i still scratch my head about this today and it sounds like a really really stupid thing to do and it was but i didn't do it but i just so happened to be in the car while it happened and it was actually crazy funny. And because we had the minds of 12 year olds, at the time we thought it was pretty funny too. So going into Bendigo, I think we were going in to get some dinner and there were about 15 or 20 of us that met in one of the local eateries in Bendigo. I forget what it exactly was and what food they were serving. But we all rolled in there, we had a booking and in we went and we took, uh, we took our places at the table and one of the guys was a bit late to rock up. Now this this restaurant was on a roundabout and we could hear it um, before we could see it and there was a supercharged V8 holding you full throttle doing what we call in Australia ringies around the roundabout and not just one so on the limiter second or third gear tires on fire just doing laps of the roundabout now like i said it wasn't just one or two laps of the roundabout we're talking about 10 or 15 of them and this brought the whole of bendigo pretty much to a standstill and people were just saying who the hell are these guys and what are they doing and cool as a cucumber this cat just parked the car smoke still pouring off what was left of the tires right outside the restaurant in he came sat down and proceeded to order his dinner yeah not a word of a lie and there were lots of looks but no one said anything and thankfully the local law enforcement who were pretty pretty tough in bendigo and so, so they should be when there's a bunch of rat bags in town drag racing didn't do a thing so it was pretty incredible so once we had finished dinner we all got into other people's cars because uh, the adventurer that took us there was no longer operational in any way, shape or form. 
thank you justice and we all made our way back to the crystal inn now one of the luminaries uh, that came over with us from south australia at the time was a mate of mine uh, that went by the name of little lord we used to call him little lord after the famous english novel slash movie little lord fauntleroy where he was a little prince and mummy used to cut the crusts off his sandwiches and he was very fussy about what he would eat only meat cheese and potatoes and he was a big lad though you know he he was he believed in like um horse products to gain size worked out a bit a lot and had done a bit of security work but overall was quite a nice guy and little lord used to pride himself on his ability to power drink bourbon and cola cans that is of course until later in the evening when i happened to walk into the bathroom region which was a public one and there he was filling up his can out of the water tap little lord you were sprung busted done and dusted and to this day a long time 12 13 years later we have never let him live that down. How would you like a water, mate? There's nothing quite like hydrating during a session. Poor old little lord. Oh no, hang on, I've just pulled up next to a VX Calais with a cam and when you're driving a Tesla, all they ever wanna do is race you and I don't do that on the street ever, definitely not today, so he'll be able to take home a, a win. Pity he can't win again, you like ever against anything else however if i tuned it different story it would have won no worries beat any tesla any time so back to the story there were probably i don't know there were would have been 40 or 50 of us staying at the crystal inn and the night wore on and and we were we were sort of knocking off at about 3 a.m you know we didn't muck around we kept the party going long and hard and you know whoever was first to call lights out uh, or back to their room normally ended up with about 50 of the outdoor tables and chairs stacked up against their door in the form of a barricade um i was having a good time it wasn't me it was a guy that went by the name of juzzy i reckon he <laughs> he you should have seen him trying to climb out the next morning it was pretty funny i was having a pretty good time um I, you know, had a couple of social beverages and was more than likely under the limit and got involved in a conversation slash argument in one of the rooms uh, with a guy called Glenn, G&D Glenn, you'd all remember him. Nice guy, very nice guy, wasn't, wasn't an arsehole like me, which is good for him. And he used to like keeping the airflow meter on LS engines when he tuned them and I was one of these big advocates of going mapless. So I figured anything that made the car tougher to tune and would give better results was overall good for the industry. So there we were banging it out, having it out in an argument slash discussion that got quite heated um, about the MAF versus mapless and because there are a lot of end users there, not just tuners, oh no, 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 I've kept up with the Calais and goodbye. Um, there's a lot of end users there. They all huddled around. This was like a bunch of Boy Scouts around a campfire while a couple of the heavy hitters of the industry are going at it. And eventually, apparently I was told the other day when I was asking some of the 
attendees about what happened, he got up, stormed out and vowed never to speak to me again and that I was an idiot. He was probably quite right on, on a few of those fronts. However, I was right about the math versus mathless debate. In the meantime, one of the big bodybuilders uh, in the group was out in the general forecourt telling everyone how he used to be a male stripper. Oh no, here comes the Calais, there you go, he's gone. Um, yeah, so we had great times and there were great arguments and I, th I think there was this line that came out of it where um, that, that Plan B, Peter Haylock, always likes to quote and it's like, refers to people as hopeless eternals and kids, whatever you do, don't be one yourself. Unfortunately, we were way ahead of our time there because if you look at Victoria in particular, there is a lot of such said hopeless eternals these days. Now, I'm not going to get into politics and the difference between left and right. I'm just into making cars go fast, but read into that what you will while you're enjoying your lockdown. Yes, we won't go into COVID either. COVID-toria, what a place. Well, what a place it used to be. I'll probably get arrested for that, so enough. So, some of the cool things that happened. Uh, mate of mine, Todd, brought over his LS1, one tonner. Now, it was a beauty. It had a built 346 in it, had a turbo 400, a trans brake, and a couple of high mount little turbos on it, Gen TT kit, and it made, you know, for, what did it make? I reckon it made about 400 kilowatts at the wheels, and there he was. All he ever wanted to do was run a 10, and he did it. He did a 10.8 at 127 mile an hour. And you know, this is back in 2008, and there's still a ton of people that can't do 10s in LS1s now. There was Little Lord. He brought over his, he had a VY SS Ute, standard 346 Cuba with a turbo killer cam in it so the pistons were kind of licking at the at the valves on the exhaust side at high rpm used to spin it to seven and again had a couple of little gt28 turbos on it running on this wonderful fuel that i came up with for him some of you might remember there was an E85 shortage in, at about that time, 2008. In fact, E85 wasn't very easy to get at all. So I came up with this thing called MD60, and I wrote, uh, published an article about it in Street Commodores magazine. So what I intended to do was mix the right amount of methanol and the right amount of unleaded petrol to make an E85 equivalent, and it worked. It made good power, and it worked. And, you know, I think it was 60% uh, methanol, 40% unleaded, but it had this wonderful eye-watering uh, capability at the traffic lights when, when you drove it on the street. Now, it was never, ever, ever meant to be driven on the street like that, but you don't tell Little Lord because you can't tell him anything anyway. He doesn't listen to bloody anyone but himself. And he used to sort of enjoy the effect he could have at the lights of of just making everyone burst into tears as their eyes were watering with methanol fumes. So yeah, he, he did pretty good. He he pumped out, I reckon, uh, oh, I can't remember exactly, but I reckon it would have been about a 1040 at 138 or 140. This thing had some legs and it was a manual. It was a six speed manual or manual six speed as I like to say on my YouTube channel. And 
it worked it just worked really good and it didn't blow up which we were all expecting it to do because it was just such a tired old thing um that worked killer uh i actually had that weekend i had my gen tt ve ute now this is my second ve it was a dead standard ve ute um save for the addition of that was an auto six speed save for the addition of a couple of our low mount 2871 garrets on it and you know it i think it yeah like like i said it had a, a set of pack valve springs or something like that that was about it um and i reckon i even had the standard exhaust um adapted up to the back of the turbo so it had a standard ve exhaust on it to keep it quiet because it was our adr or our test rig at the time and because i wanted to film it i let gareth my worker that you hear all about offsider worker friend whatever um I let him drive it, and I reckon he drove it, and he was a bit lighter than me back then. I know if you saw us both now, you wouldn't believe it, but he was a fair bit lighter than me. I was a fat prick, and he ran 11.2 at 128 in it. You know, we stand a converter. He didn't step off the line all that well, but, yeah, it was it was fast enough to run a 10, and, in fact, you know, for a car that was dead silent and daily drivable, I was pretty happy with an 11.2 out of it. So that was excellent you know that was really really excellent um some other great things from that weekend there were guys like nathan higgins uh, with these normally aspirated stuff pounding out some huge numbers there were cars from sam's performance in new south wales that had you know eight trumpets hanging out the bonnet and th these were really exciting and really fast cars there were 10s and 11s going down everywhere if your daily street it wasn't running a 12 you were nowhere um, and yeah, it was it was just great. I don't see that excitement in around a single make in the industry anymore. You know, a lot of us like the HPFs and the oh, G and D. I don't know if they exist anymore, but myself and others went off and sort of expanded our horizons because we knew that at some stage, very soon, or it had already been written that once the Commodore ceased production. There was going to be no more V8 for us to tune. So we all kind of spread our wings a bit. And it's great since the closure of Holden. No, I'm not saying that's a great thing. It's not a great thing in any way, shape or form. But it's great since the closure of Holden that the cars have got a bit of a resurgence again. Unfortunately, time hasn't been too kind to some of them. Um, and a lot of them are shit boxes now that you feel like you're going to get tetanus when you work on. However, there are some guys out there that are keeping these cars beautiful as they deserve to be kept and doing some really good things, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy when I see a super clean Commodore roll through, the, roll through the gates because it's something we actually enjoy to work on. Actually, I'll be very interested after I finish um, rattling on here to listen and see how much road noise there is from the Tesla in this uh, and how it compared with the, with the GDR that we've um, recorded in last time. I'm thinking it will be a little noisy, but you know what? This is what you get when you're driving and this is a car show. I can tell you because these Teslas are so well insulated from um, RF signals that there will be no interference at all in this. So that will be a great thing. So back to it. Um, 
So 2008 was really the last year uh, that we got into this. Uh, the LS1 forums were starting to die. The owner had kind of moved overseas to Thailand, I think, and had very little interest in it anymore other than the sponsorship dollars. And, you know, I don't blame him. He put a fair bit of his life into it. And, of course, there was the advent of Facebook that was really starting to take over because you could moderate, block, report, and do all the things in a sort of cultured way that you had to crawl to the moderators on a, on a forum to do. And sometimes they just wouldn't help you because they didn't like you. You know, these guys were giving up their time for free to work as moderators and they all had their own agendas. And you know what? Good on them. You know, I never had any real problems with many of them, but a lot of them didn't like me and I suppose I didn't like a lot of them. Apart from you, Redline, if you're listening to this, you're a great guy, and yes, you ran a 10 in your single turbo Commodore back in the day too, just just not at the LS1 Drag Nationals. I reckon that year, you'd gone to the dark side and rocked up in some horrific BF Typhoon, which was actually a very nice car, but because it was a manual six-speed, suffered terribly from axle tramp and did not let you get anywhere near the time that it should have done. Shit happens, Redline, and I'm glad to see, even though you've moved away from us in South Australia now, you prick, I'm glad to see that you're back driving the Lion. So, great days that petered away, and, you know, I think there was, like, the hold and drag nationals that were run from time to time after that, but, you know, we had this, because we were backed by Street Machine, besides did some, some writing work for them, on and off when they could, obviously, were desperate, because they were, we were backed by Street Machine, we kept it pure. They didn't want other cars there. In fact, out of the goodness of my heart, because they were close friends and, and business acquaintances, I let a couple of GDRs turn up and run. And I think Russell had a couple of regulars in comp cars that he let turn up and run from time to time. But you've never seen anything like it. And you'll probably ne never see anything like it again well over a hundred LS powered cars all lined up going head to head in beautifully organized brackets, you know, and that was fantastic. Which leads me to my point. I'm starting to get a bit nostalgic talking about all of this stuff. I kind of miss it, would you believe? So yes, I'm on the lookout for a neat Commodore if anybody knows of one. I'm not after a Gen F, I'm not after some wildly supercharged thing. I actually want a 346 LS1 and I want the most standard, natural, beautiful condition car I can find. I don't actually care if it's a sedan or a ute. I'd probably like a sedan and I'd like, I'd like a manual. I was never really a fan of the 4L60E because in the exception of, oh, say for the exception of, a, exception of a couple of cases, they were a bloody hand grenade um, with big power. And what I want to do to this thing is I want to use all of my old mates' parts from back in the days. I want to put a GM Motorsport Turbo Killer Cam in it. I want to go NA. I want to use an OTR. I want to run some big pipes on it. And I want to run 10's manual when we finally get a drag strip back here again because to me, that's what it's all about, being able to run those run those killer numbers through a stick, rowing the gear with your GM Motorsport rip shift in place is what it's really all about. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're not running mid to high tens like the GM Motorsport guys could do back in the day with their <coughs> general 
craftiness with these cars because they were very crafty and very good and still are. I mean, Fonzie went on to win bloody super boat, well, jet boat championships with his built LSs. He was obviously no um, beginner. And what I want to do is I want to get this thing out there. I want to run it and I just want to keep it in the shed and I want it clean and I don't care what color it is. So if you have something like that, I think there's going to be more of Tuna Wars yet anyway, so don't despair that we haven't covered off everything. But if you have something like that, please email me at dtech at senet.com.au. That's dtech, D-T-E-C-H, at senet.com.au. And uh, let's put a deal together. But anyway, this again is an impromptu recording. It's in the car, so we'll see how it sounds. You can probably hear my indicator clicking away. Bad luck if you can in a truck just drove past big horrible thing down a suburban side street and tune in next week or maybe the weekend and we'll do this all again so thank you for listening to range anxiety